Welcome to the Freedom House Church Weekend Message. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from a communicator on our teaching team. Whether you're just waking up, on your way to work, or going for a relaxing evening walk, we know this message will equip you to experience Christ's freedom today and every day. So enjoy. for more. What am I made for? Time. Why do I spend so much time on things that mean so little? I'm not made to waste my time. What am I made for? Talent. Why am I using all my talent for personal gain? I'm not made to be selfish with my talent. What am I made for? Treasure. What do I gain by refusing to share? I'm not made to spend my treasure on myself. What am I made for? Potential. Why am I not breaking through to the next level? I'm not made to be complacent. I'm made for more. We're made for more. What is up, Freedom House Church? I'm going to scoot this up a little. Y'all doing good today? I noticed we got people from all over the world tuning in. We got old Canada. We are so glad that you are joining us. Georgia, Kansas, Michigan, New York, Ohio, North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia. I know more will keep hopping on as the service continues. But we are so glad that you are joining us uh, here in Charlotte, North Carolina. We are so thankful for all the people that are in the room as well. So give yourselves a hand for being here. Yeah, we are in a series right now called Made for More. What a great thing to realize this year that we are made for more. Just because you're going through something difficult doesn't mean you have to settle there. Last time I read my Bible, it says you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It doesn't say you stay, you hang, and you camp out, right? So uh, for those of you who I don't know, my name is Penny Maxwell. My husband, Troy, and I are the senior pastors here. Uh, He is actually at our South End campus speaking today. Uh, All of our campuses, we have live people. Um, We don't do the video venue. And then um, Pastor Michael is up at our Lake Norman campus. So all of us are preaching on made for more. And uh, I just wanted to dive in and ask you this question. When the world is changing around you, what are you doing to change the world? How many of you know the world is changing, right? The Great Reset is what they're calling it. When the world is changing around you, what are you doing to change the world? If I asked you if one person could change the world, you would say probably, you would say to me, absolutely, I believe that. But if I asked you if you were that one person that could change the world, you might not be as confident. Why is that? I think a lot of things that we're dealing with right now have to do with our mindsets and how to shift and turn 
our mindsets. You know, Pastor Troy did that big um, hiking thing a few weeks back where a pastor friend of ours was hiking and he was on this trail and he was raising money and awareness for sex trafficking and stopping uh, all that's going on with the the young girls and boys in that industry, and so they were trying to raise money, so they had this hike that was planned out, and the pastor who had started it, it was raise a million dollars for a million steps, so it was all through this rugged terrain. Well, he had this boulder that fell and landed on him. He nearly died, but he broke a lot of bones in his body, and the trip was going to stop, and my husband decides, you know, we're, we're getting the call, and we're FaceTiming them in the hospital. He's got his arm up and stuff, his leg up and stuff. All his bones are broken. And he's like, man, I'm so upset about this. Uh, and not because he's laying there in pain and almost died, but for the fact of that this mission was going to stop. And my husband immediately says, without consulting his wife, by the way, he immediately says, no, I'll step in. Now, they had been training for months and months to be able to do this, but my husband jumps in and decides he's going to do this, and I went along with it like a, a nice little wife that I am, right? And here's the thing. When he was studying, there's so many things you have to know about hiking and really rough, rugged terrain. It's a desert, and then at night, so you're very hot temperatures during the day and very cold at night. One of the things that my husband learned about this trip is that once you get to the point where you feel like you're done, you're over, he, all the reading and research that he did, they say once you're at the point where you're ready to quit, you're ready to give up, you're done, you've only reached 30% of your capacity. How many of us in areas of our life have said, I can't take anymore, I can't do anymore, this is too much for me, this is too hard, this is too difficult, but yet we've only reached 30% of our capacity because we don't understand that we have been made for more. You see, here's what I want to, to get across today. The limits that you have in your life are not limits God put on you, they are self-imposed limits. And I'm going to prove that to you. I'm going to take you through the Bible. We're going to talk about different scenarios. But I want you to understand that the limitations, the things that are holding you back, it's not that you're just waiting on God to move. God is waiting on us to get off of our blessed assurance and do what he has asked us to do. But so often we sell ourselves short. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Let's go to 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. We're going to start off in verse 1. It says, The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. This is actually Obadiah's wife, and Obadiah, the name Obadiah literally means servant of the Lord. So here she is saying, hey, my husband was a servant. You know that we revered the Lord. You know we honored God. In other words, why are we in this situation? Why are we in the place we are now when we serve God, we love God, we've been honoring God, why are we dealing with what we're dealing with? She's a little frustrated. 
And then Elisha. Now, Elisha is a prophet. So in the Old Testament, they did not have access to the throne of grace yet, right? In the Old Testament, people, you and I, had to go through a prophet, a priest, a representation of God before we could get to the throne of God because in the New Testament, Jesus tore the veil and gave us access that we did not have. So right here, when we see a prophet is talking, we can substitute in that God is talking to her. So Elisha replies to her, God says to her, how can I help you? And then he says something else. Tell me, what do you have in your house? So he asks of himself, and then he asks of her. Interesting how miracles are always twofold. Let's keep reading. She says out of her mouth, your servant has nothing there at all. I don't have anything. I've got nothing in my house. I've got nothing at all. That's her first response. And then she says, well, uh, I mean, except a small jar of olive oil. How often do what we have, do we minimize what we do have and maximize what we don't? Here she is saying, I don't have anything. I mean, well, what I do have is so small that it's so insignificant, you probably can't even use it. Then Elisha says to her, go around, ask all of your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you on you and your sons, and I want you to pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to the side. Now, you say that to me, you tell me as many jars as you collect, I'm going to fill it up with oil. You're going to hear, I'm bringing dump trucks. I mean, I'm bringing so much stuff. I mean, if I truly believe you, that is. If I really believe what you're saying, there will be so many jars, dump trucks, containers that you have never seen so many in all of your life. So what happens here? It says she left him. She shut the door behind her and her sons and they brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. And then it says when all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. Give me some more. Give me some more jars. In other words, there's still room for more miracle. And her sons say to her, well, there's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, well, go and sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Here in this story... We hear so many different things happen. First, she says she doesn't have anything in her house. Then she says, well, what I do have isn't enough. And then we hear her say, you know, well, well, you know, uh, I don't know what to do here because, you know, I feel like we were good people and all these things are happening. There's all this stuff bottled up in this story. She doesn't think she has enough, but here's what I want you to know. God is still your portion even when you don't think you have enough. Last I checked, it wasn't about you uh, to do the miracle. God just said, will you do your part? Right now, God is not asking you to multiply your paycheck. He's just asking you to bring your part. 
God is not asking you to turn the water into wine. He's just going, will you bring the water when I ask? There is always a part we have to play in the miracle, and most of the time it has to do with our thinking because if we don't think God can, he can't. Most of the time it has to do with what I call our stinking thinking. She is the one that set the limits on this miracle. God did not. She put self-imposed limits here. And here's the other thing that I want you to understand about this story before we go into our next one, is whenever God is trying to do something big or something significant in your life, not everybody can see, get a front row seat to the miracle. Sometimes you're going to have to close the door. He had her close the door because it's not all up to the neighbors and everybody else. Well, I don't, that's not going to work. Why did you want to borrow a jar? That ain't going to work. When you need a miracle in your life, close the door. Close the door because you need to be able to hear the voice of God. You've got to close the door to negative people. Close the door to immature people. Close the door to your past. Close the door to memories of yesterday. Close the door to regret. Close the door so you can focus. Close the door on fear, doubt, and unbelief. Close the door. We want the oil of God to flow in our life, but yet we're not closing the door. You don't want the voices trying to tell you that what God is doing isn't actually going to happen. You don't need that voice. When you're believing God for a miracle, close it off. Close the door. Let's keep going. Because I want you to understand from all the stories that I'm going to read for you today, who is the one that limits our potential? Is it God? We're just waiting on God's timing? Or are we the ones that are limiting our potential? In Luke chapter 5, verse 1, I want to read this off the screens. Can you guys put this up for me? So it was, as the multitude pressed about him, meaning Jesus, to hear the word of God, that he, Jesus, stood by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their, what's that word? Can you spell that with me? Nets. All right, keep going. Then he, Jesus, got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your... Can you spell that with me? For a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, I mean, we've toiled all night long and we have caught nothing. Jack, nada, zilcho, zip. We ain't caught nothing, Jesus. Nevertheless, nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the... Can you spell that with me? Do you notice a difference? 
Let's keep reading. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their what? Can you spell that with me? Was breaking. Who limited their potential? Why do we blame God when things don't go the way we want, when God tells us specifically what to do? But see, we've been trying all night on our own, and we're just not really sure God can do it anyway. And I already started cleaning the nets, and it's a whole big deal if I have to get them all salty and dirty again, then I'll have to clean all of them again. But I tell you what, I'll just take this one little net, because that's not going to be that big a deal when what you say doesn't happen. Then it's only one that i got to clean up, so I'll just put the one in. You see, what happens is, is God asks us to do something, and when we don't trust him, we just do the little courtesy dip. Little courtesy dip. God, I don't really believe you're going to come through like you're saying, so I'm going to do the little courtesy dip just to say I was obedient. He said, I told you nets. I told you more jars than you could possibly imagine. You see, it's not up to God on our obedience. God's already opened the windows of heaven. You just have to decide how many jars you're going to bring or how many nets you're going to put down. But just like in the first story, the same thing happens here. When you need a miracle, you're going to have to make sure that you push out away from the land where the crowd is. You're going to have to learn to go out and get in the deep. Because if you keep listening to the voices of the people that are on the land, you're never going to get your miracle. You're never going to get God what you're believing for. you got to make sure that you're careful of who has access to, to speak into your life, into your ears. Be very careful when you're in a position where you're needing God to move. Now, the first thing God's going to do is say, what's in your hand? And if you say nothing, you're going to have to think again. Well, I mean, I got something little. It doesn't matter if it's a jar, a net, or a boat. God wants to use it. When he asks us, we just say, God, whatever I have is yours. Whatever gift, whatever talent, whatever ability, everything I have is yours. But if you're looking for a miracle, I can tell you, you're going to need to make sure that you're in the presence of God and you're listening carefully. When Troy and I, our uh, middle child, she's uh, married now, but when I was pregnant with her, they told us she wasn't going to make it. And they told us that she had gotten an extra chromosome at conception. How many of you understand you can't remove a chromosome from a child's DNA? Anybody understand that? Does anybody think we might have needed a miracle at that time? There were very few people that we let in our boat because we knew we needed a major miracle. There was no doctor that could help us. There was nobody that could help us other than the king of kings, the great physician. So we took our boat, pushed it off from the shore a bit, and said we need to go deep for a little bit. We didn't let everybody know of our hurt or our pain or our grief Why? One, I didn't need their pity because that wasn't going to change my situation. It may have made my flesh feel good, but it wasn't going to change the situation. It wasn't going to remove a chromosome from a child's DNA. 
The other thing is we didn't tell everybody because I didn't need everybody's doubt and unbelief speaking over my situation. The Bible says life and death are in the power of the tongue, and I did not need people using their tongue against what I was believing God for. So I was not about to tell everybody that there's a 100% chance that our kid is not going to make it. I needed to use my faith, and I needed to learn how to believe God for situations because that was before Freedom House ever existed. If we wouldn't have been able to give birth to that miracle, I can promise you we wouldn't have been able to give birth to this one. And God said, I'm going to have to get you used to believing for miracles. And if you don't believe in miracles, I would love to introduce you to my daughter, Cabell Maxwell. Well, she's Swadener now. Cabell Swadener, who is married and completely healed and whole. God still does miracles, but do you believe in him? Do you believe? Because if you don't believe that anything miraculous can happen, guess what? It probably won't. The atmosphere of expectancy is the breeding ground for miracles. That's how it works. If you want to get a situation straight in your life, you're going to have to straighten out that thought life first. That thought life is so important. Your thought life determines your future life. Your thought life. You see, God's trying to do a miracle, but we're going, I don't have enough jars. I don't, my nets are too clean. I don't have enough. Can you distance yourself from the crowd? Can you believe that God can do it? It's not that he's just, you know, stepping back going, oh, I'm just waiting to move. No, 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 no. Think about, think about the 12 spies that were sent into the land of Canaan, the children of Israel that were sent into the land of Canaan, which was their promised land. God said to them so specifically, hey, I've given you this land, the promised land. It flows with milk and honey. I've given this to you. Go spy out the land that I've given to you. Twelve of them go in. They look at the land. They come back. Ten of them say, oh, my gosh, there are giants in the land. We're not going to be able to go and defeat them. We're not going to be able to do it. Only two of them said, we can take the enemy. Did you see how big those grapes are? Did you see how many figs they had? Did you see all the the milk and the honey that's flowing in the land? You see, what they got their, their mind off of is they went in and they saw the obstacles, but God had already said, this is your land. God had already told them it was theirs. And they're talking themselves out of the blessing. And we go, who would do that? We do it all the time. Because we look at how big the obstacle is instead of how big our God is. 2020 is all about that. Do you see the giants in the land? Or do you see God's promise, his faithfulness, his provision, no matter what? What do you see when you look at 2020? Two people said, we believe we can take the land. It should have been 12 out of 12. Because God already said it was theirs. It wasn't like they were going to see if. God already said it's yours. 
It's yours. It's a mindset thing. We've got to understand how to shift our thinking. It's not that God isn't waiting to do what he said. It's just we're not hearing him correctly. We've got to shift some things. Did you know that you're in charge of your thoughts and just because you have one doesn't mean it needs to stay? I learned a long time ago when that situation with my daughter, if I have a negative thought, I don't let it stay in my head. They said she was going to die. I put scriptures up all over my mirror, pictures of little baby girls everywhere. I was not going to let negative thinking paralyze me. Are you letting negative thinking paralyze you, keep you back from what God has for you? I don't care what the odds look like. I care what did God say? What did God promise? Because that's what I want to do. So, so what is the antidote if we have stinking thinking? What's the antidote? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We've got to bring our thought life into captivity and make it line up with the word of God. If you have a thought, here's what I want you to do. I want you to start tracking your internal dialogue. Because sometimes we let ourselves, the things we say to ourselves, we would never let somebody else say. But because it rattles around in there, we leave it unchecked. I'm asking you today to check your thoughts. And if it doesn't line up with the word of God, get rid of it. Get rid of every single thought. So what happened when the disciples were there, when the boat, you know, they threw the net in, what happened after that? I want to read something to you because not only do I believe that you are made for more as an individual, I believe that we are made for more as a church. When we say we are better together around here, we truly do mean it. It's not just a little catchy phrase. We are truly better together. So what happened when the haul of fish was coming in? Luke chapter 5, verse 7, it says, So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both the boats so that they began to sink When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. You see, miracles always involve others. What was happening is it was so heavy, they couldn't bring it in on their own. So they signaled to the partners and said, Will you help us bring this net-breaking, boat-sinking load of fish into the boat? Will you help us to do this? I would like to just ask you today, I'm signaling to you as the partners of Freedom House Church, will you help us bring in the net-breaking, boat-sinking load of souls that have been coming into this church? 
I'm telling you, our Lake Norman and South End campuses have been busting at the seams. We've been adding chairs and adding services. This campus, we've had new faces walking in. We've had so many people joining online. We want to reach them. But we realize we can't do it without our partners. All of us. And so because we've had so many people coming through the doors, and honestly, the reason that so many new people are coming in is because they're going, thank God there is a church in this city that is standing up and preaching the word of God and coming against the stuff that is happening and not accepting what Harry Styles is doing. If y'all are on my husband's social media, you know what I'm talking about. We're not just accepting culture that comes down the stream, but we're saying no. So people are going, thank God for a church that's speaking up. Thank God for somebody that's not backing down. So here's, here's what I'm asking. I'm not asking you to do somebody else's part. I'm asking you to do your part. There's three things I'd like to ask of you today as a partner. I want to signal you to come help us bring in the nets because we're not just putting in one net. We're putting in nets, plural. The first thing, there's three main areas. It's time, talent, and treasure. I want to talk about your time first of all. Are you serving? Are you serving? Can I ask you please not to just be a consumer but a contributor? Don't just come in the doors and, and, and eat away at the table and then go and no one else gets to be fed. Come, eat, and dine, but would you help us feed other people? Would you use your time? There are so many opportunities this week to literally feed people. You know, it's, it's Thanksgiving week. We've got thousands upon thousands of meals that need to be delivered. Could I ask you not just to think about your family after you think about your family, could you also think about somebody else? Could you also think about on Sunday morning serving? There are so many people waiting on the other side of your obedience, of your yes. And you may, you may, here's some of the thoughts, because we know the lady thought, well, you know, I've served with this and all, like all these different things. Hey, let's talk about some thought processes here. Maybe you're going, well, they don't need my help. That's not true. Maybe there's enough people already. That's not true. What could be an issue is maybe you've been hurt before and your filter's a little off. You see, what happens is when people get hurt, they, they tend to want to step back. You see, there's a difference between isolation and insulation. Isolation will destroy you. Insulation is good because there's a season where you just kind of protect yourself, your heart. Isolation will ruin you. The Bible says that a man that isolates himself, rages against all good judgment. I am asking you to step up to the plate. There are people that need you, that need your serve, whatever that looks like. I'm asking you to also, not just your time, but your talent. A lot of people think, well, my talent, you know, I don't, I don't talent, I don't really have one. I can't sing, I can't dance. This isn't the Miss America pageant where... You know, you have to be on a stage and do something. It's not just about preaching or, or playing an instrument or singing. 
Did you know your talent is the thing you like to do? I was having a conversation with a lady. She's like, I don't have a talent. I said, oh, yes, you do. I've eaten your food before. I said, you're an amazing cook. She's like, well, how can I use that in the kingdom of God? And I said, really? Let me show you. So we got her serving moms that would have babies and taking them meals and putting them in their refrigerators and helping to organize. When, when people would have a life situation, she would get other people in cooking. There is nothing like a great homemade cooked meal when you're going through a hard time. The problem is, is that most of us don't realize the thing that we're good at, that talent, you can use it here in the church too. If you're an IT person, we need you. If you do graphics, we need you. You do videos, we need you. You're a photographer. You see, we always tend to look at the, the things that you can, you know, do on a stage. If you're really good at cleaning, we need you. If you're good at lawn care, we need you. Help us pull in the nets, the nets, whatever that looks like for you. Do you know one of my pet peeves? Can I just tell you all one of my pet peeves? is when I see business people, you know, they go here to the church. When I see them um, in the business world, and, man, they are crushing it in the business world, leading, doing so good, men and women using their gift of leadership out there, and then they come here and they sit. And I'm like, why don't you take that same leadership skill that you're out there in the world with and use it in here in the church? And they go, I didn't know I could. Absolutely you can. We need you to, all right? The last one, last one, treasure. Time, talent, treasure. So simple. The needs right now for people have been incredible. We've been feeding more people, doing more calls for more people than we ever have in the history of the church. If you aren't tithing, can I just ask you to get off the milk and switch over to some meat? Can we, can, we part, can we part the whiskers and the beard and, and remove the bottle for a minute? That is Christianity 101, guys. There is supposed to be meat in the storehouse, so when people need it, it is there. If you trust in God's economy, you should not be like, well, I'm afraid. And I get it. I love what Freddie said. But you're going to have to rebuke that spirit of fear because you can't be asking God for a miracle in your life when you're not even being obedient. That's just the truth, right? So if I could just ask you if, you, if you aren't tithing, just step up. Watch what God will do in your life. And if you are, I would just encourage you to become a kingdom builder. Take the next step. God is so faithful. He's so good. He will do a, be, a just beyond, beyond what you could ask, think, hope, or imagine. But don't just give them the courtesy dip. Don't just bring a jar or two. Don't just bring, a, you know, a net that you really didn't want. Just, man, he cares about the heart. He really cares about your heart. God cares about faithfulness. Maybe you go, well, I can't afford it. I can promise you, you can't afford not to. I would rather have 90% and have it blessed, then keep 100% and have it cursed. This is not the time I'm living in where I want any dollar in my pocket that is cursed. 
The word tithe literally means 10%, and that's just obedience. That We're not generous because we tithe. That's just returning to God what he said was already his. Generosity kicks in when we choose to be a kingdom builder. And we've given you that opportunity. But I also think that, that what it does when we start giving and then when we start next level giving is it breaks the poverty mentality or any fear that we have associated with money. Because Jesus talked so much about money because I think he knew and he understood that it's a hang-up for a lot of people. And all God is saying is, hey, the number of jars is up to you. That's up to you. But what I can tell you is every dollar you spend is a reflection of your values. Do you want to know where your values are? Flip through your checkbook. It's really good. My husband said something last week. I don't know what campus he was at, but he said something. He said, you know, what does love look like? What does faithfulness look like? He asked all these questions, and everybody had all these different answers. He said, what does 10% look like? They're like, 10%. That's why God makes this one really easy, because there are some things we get hung up on as Christians. Well, I think this is loving, or I think this is faith. Like, 10% is just, that's just an easy one, right? Like, you can't get confused on that one. I had this this vision when I was writing this message, and I just sat, and the Lord just showed me this picture, and it was a room, and all around the outside of the room, it was a bunch of parents that were standing around, and in the inside of the room, there were all these kids playing with toys and all these different things, And one of the parents says to the rest of them, hey, hey, watch this. I want you to see this. And calls this child over. The parents call the child over and they go, hey, hey, show everybody your muscle. And the little kid goes, you just see him like, just like this flexing. And they go, oh, show them all your muscles. And the kid goes, just flexing. And all the parents are just laughing and cheering and, I said, Lord, what was that all about? Help me understand what I just saw there. And he said, the church needs to ask me. They need to say, hey, God, show me your muscles. He said, because they've forgotten how strong I am. So I sat there and I just said, Lord, show me your muscles. God's got some serious flex. And I think when we go through a hard time, we maybe are looking at God as the little kid who's, God's like, ask to see my muscles. Could you stand on your feet with me today? The oil only stops flowing when the jars aren't available. And they're not just jars, but empty jars. Could you close your eyes and bow your head? I would just like to ask you today, this has been a heck of a year, a heck of a season. But I believe that the God of miracles is our God. I believe that whatever it is that you're needing, restoration in your marriage, 
Maybe you have a wayward child and you're believing God to come back. Maybe you're struggling in your finances. Maybe you've had mental health challenges where you've just been depressed or anxiety or excessive fear or worry. Or maybe you just go, man, I don't even, I don't even have my relationship with God the way it needs to be. But if that's you and you just say, man, there's something in my life that's keeping me from being at the throne room like I know I can be, because like I said earlier, that veil was torn, would you just take your hand and just put it across your heart? Because I want to pray over all of us. Anything that's keeping you back from the throne room, you just say, God, I need you today. I need you to show up big. God, I believe you're the God of miracles. God, I bring you my jars. I bring you my nets. I bring you my life. I bring you my boat. God, I'll give you whatever it is you are asking. God, I won't let any more limits be self-imposed on me, but God, I will see what you say I am. Let's just say this all out. Say, Heavenly Father, we come before you right now in the name of Jesus, we believe in your miracle working power. We thank you for what you did on the cross and how that flows into our life right now. We thank you for removing any burdens, any heaviness, any anxiety, anything that would keep us back from your will and your plan. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we encourage you to spread the word. Share with your friends and family on social media and make sure you subscribe to hear a new message every week. Really love the message? Well, we wanna hear from you. Make sure to leave us a review below. Want more Freedom House content? Follow us on Instagram at Freedom House and subscribe to Freedom House Church on YouTube. We hope you are equipped to experience all that God has for you this week, and we'll see you for our next Freedom House Church weekend message.